0: Thank you, Pastor Chris. Um, I'm getting a little worried. Uh, I think this is the third time since I was here last night that Chris, because we had a a dinner last night and then a prayer meeting this morning, and Chris keeps saying that I'm Paul to his Timothy. And I keep thinking, is this a prophetic word about me going to prison? I'm just... (laughs) I'm just trying to work it through and figure out what what the meaning of that is. But uh, I'll take the relationship part, maybe not the imitation of Paul's ministry, although I'm going to that part of the world soon. Um, you know, yet I think I I think I'll wait. Uh, I'll say it. Uh, one of my favorite cartoons is there's two sock puppets talking to each other, you know, a sock puppet, right? And they're like this, and one is saying, you know, I'm beginning to believe there's an unseen hand behind everything we do. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm starting to believe that more and more because uh, last fall we were speaking at an international conference for Voice of the Martyrs. I've been associated with, with them for about 35 years. Uh, helping persecuted Christians around the world. When I started, was helping uh, people who were in prison in uh, communist countries, Romania, Soviet Union, etc. Um, so Melissa and I were speaking there, and out of that, we got an invitation to go to uh, uh, speak about refugees, because we work with refugees in Bangladesh, Muslim refugees, and help them and see amazing things that God does in their midst. I'll tell you about that another day. And uh, so Czech Republic and Poland asked us to come over. We dithered about the dates and landed on March 23rd to April 4th. And so um, we had it all set up and then you all know what's happened with the war. And so where we're going to be two weeks from today is about 250 kilometers from where some bombs just dropped. And um, we're glad to be there. We're in a NATO country. But um, they've, they've said, come over. And I said, what do you need us to... Man, tr- trouble getting through this today. What do you need us to bring? And he uh, emailed me back. He said, hope, hope, and Hope. So Melissa and I uh, decided that rather than bring, you know, diapers and medical stuff, my, my son actually just helped send a container of that over, um, but we'd bring words, because words are powerful. Isn't that right? Words are very powerful, and that's the topic of this morning's message. Uh, I see you have a nice big clock up there. That's really good. Um, <laughs> Uh, Chris mentioned we come from the Pentecostal church. Pentecostals don't like clocks. They feel that they somehow work against the Holy Spirit, because the longer the service is, the, the more God must be there. Yet, Jesus has preached some of the shortest sermons we've ever seen, and... Uh, Uh, We're going to talk about the power of words today and we're going to keep within the time frame and uh, let's just ask God to guide us. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this wonderful people. Thank you that we're going to move into a new season, literally, uh, on the calendar and in our hearts within a week. And we pray that we'd be ready for whatever that means spiritually in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, don't I really don't have enough room here, so I hope you don't get offended if I put my Bible on the floor for a moment or two, okay? We are supposed to stand on the Word of God, so I may end up doing that at some point here. Uh, I'm holding in my hand uh, a very uh, interesting book. It's called Speeches That Changed the World. Um, I make a living on words, and uh, there was a time in my life when... uh, I got in trouble for words. I always talked too much in school, in class, and the teacher actually had to visit my home one day because of it, and uh, he said to my parents, you just got to shut this kid up once in a while. And one day I was overseas and I called my mother and I said, hey, Mom, remember that when Mr. Parkhill came to our house? I said, ha-ha, they just paid my flight to come over here and talk to them. <laughs> got the last laugh with him. I'm getting paid to talk now instead of getting, have to stay after school and write lines. So words are powerful. And speeches that change the world, you would recognize some of these people. There's about 50 of them. It's interesting because there's some speeches we all know about. We may not know them, but they trigger thoughts. Uh, There's, um, uh, Martin Luther King, I have a dream who hasn't heard of that speech. Uh, I hope you print out the text of that sometime. It's amazing. you know how many how many cannot quote, you know I dream of a day when people will be judged not by the color of their skin but the content of their character. I mean, what a fantastic phrase. And uh, this word is just hung out there, multi-generational. And uh, Martin Luther King's uh, granddaughter, quoted those words, you know, at the Washington Monument to 150,000 people two years ago. And those words are still out there doing something in the atmosphere, in the hearts and minds of people. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt, the only thing we have to fear is what? Yourself. See, you know that. That was just a speech one day. That was just something the speechwriter said, hey, here's a cool phrase. And now, three, you know, three generations later, you all know it. Power of words, Ronald Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. wall. See, you know it. Um, Nelson Mandela, an ideal for which I'm prepared to die. Um, and But there's some that we don't know about, uh, but their words still made a difference. Susan B. Anthony, how many could quote her speech? Nah. Black woman, daughter of slaves went to jail, Um, sorry, I've got that mixed up, not Susan B. Anthony, Uh, she's not, but she was in 1870, and she went to jail for voting in the United States, lived in Rochester, New York area, not that far from here, went to jail for voting, and she wrote a speech, and it was titled, are women persons, question mark impacted a generation and led to other people who then, uh, you know, universal suffrage, uh, women's vote came just a generation later. There's some words that we'd like to forget that people spoke, but will follow them forever. Neville Chamberlain, peace in our time, he said, after negotiating a pact with Adolf Hitler. And uh, these words are powerful. They go out there and they have an effect in people's minds and hearts. And one of the uh, speeches in there, in fact, it's listed at the top, is Jesus in the Beatitudes. Uh, There's phrases in our English language. There's, you know, being a good Samaritan. Um, Things like that that have just worked their way into the world's consciousness. Because an unknown guy stood on a grassy hill beside a lake and put together simple, ordinary words in such a way that it changed the mindset of an entire generation. I need the mind exploding emoji right now, okay? I'm really into emojis lately. Once in a while, my kids are like, "'Dad, that's not really what that means.' (laughs) Oh, I don't wanna know, I just won't use it. Once in a while, an urgent phone call. Dad, don't use that emoji. Okay, okay, okay. Thank God for my kids that are in touch with culture. Uh, We old people think we know what we're doing. Okay. The Lord's Prayer. 57 words in the version, I think, in Luke where it doesn't repeat, for thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power. Just the phrases. 57 words. Think of that, a prayer, that long, and how it has impacted the way we pray and the way we think about prayer. In fact, I've preached a multi week series on those 57 words. Uh, great minds, great people who speak with an economy of words. Sometimes we study those words for years. Well, somebody recently who's going to be added to the list of any book that's going to be written is Vladimir Zelensky. And his first speech to the EU and to other countries changed the way the West is thinking about the world and how we're relating to each other. No person has has done as much to change leaders' minds than that man's words because of the times, of course. Um, If he dies tomorrow, God forbid, but if he does, he'll not be forgotten. And generations from now will quote his words that he's been speaking. He understands that. Being in media before, he he under, he understands the power of words. And Marissa was saying, you know, what's truth? You know, we've been so bombarded with words. And we've been weaponizing our conversation. And we're, we're more interested in cancelling than correction. We want to have gotcha statements. And we want to go like, so there. You know, and... And where are these words coming from? Where are these words coming from? Well, they're coming, Jesus said in Luke 6, 45. That may not be the first scripture I had, but you got it there. Thank you. A good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. When Jesus repeats himself, he's got a purpose. And he's saying, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Out of the abundance of the heart, <coughs> the mouth speaks. There is um, uh, there's something called a stinger missile right now in the weapons that are going on. And there's, there's this over-the-shoulder missile launch uh, thing, um, anti-tank weapon right now. <coughs> I'm just going to grab my bottle of water here. And um, I was looking at it yesterday because um, people like me would remember bazookas from World War II, but this thing has a has a um, like a rocket. It launches from a person who squats there with their shoulder. Excuse me, just a little tickle in my throat. throat. And this. This thing launches, but inside the projectile are two motors. One gets it going and then stops so it doesn't blow the person up. And the next guides it to the target. And it has infrared and then there's another thing they can can do. But I was fascinated by the fact that the very thing that's being launched, you know, has has the power in it to guide it and do what the the person launching it wants to do. It's not just a bullet that has to be aimed. It has all of this stuff inside. It costs about eighty thousand per round. So it's it's high tech. Why am I saying this in a sermon? Because I want to make a point and give you a visual. I didn't want to put it up on a screen. I didn't want to put you know, pictures of war up there. But I looked at that and I thought, wow. And it came to me as I was preparing the sermon that our heart, you can keep that scripture up there, please. Our heart is the rocket launcher for our words. Our heart is the rocket launcher for our words. It determines what's coming out, where it's going, and what its impact will be. But in the word itself, there's something very powerful. Now, I remember somebody pointed out today, I think it's Brother Xavier pointed out, that, did you know your name is T-Bone? I'm like, yes, about 60 years ago, I figured that out. (laughs) And uh, my parents are gonna call my brother Stuart and realize he gets Stew-Bone, and uh, they forgot when they named me. So, it was before rappers, guys, like this is long before, okay? So, I've heard it all, you know, meathead, everything. So, uh, T-Bone. So, there was a guy that used to, like Shimmy I did to David one day, there's a guy who used to walk on the other side of the street on the way home from school and he would make fun of my name, just all the way home. And I can't say the things he would say. And I'd come home, boo-hoo, to my mother. And I'd say, Mom, he said this, then he called me that, then he called me this. And my mother would say, sticks and stones can break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Absolutely not true. Words hurt. And words have the power to lift up, to bless, to curse. Uh, words, the ancients, in Jesus' time, the ancients actually believed that words were Things. And in Proverbs it says a curse without a cause is like a sparrow that flits in the air and can't alight. They actually saw the word as a thing that was out there going to land and do something. It had a life to it. They didn't have a world view like we have. If, to think that words don't matter is, is, a, is a terribly unbiblical, untrue world view. They contain thoughts and emotions and, and even spiritual power at times. When it was time to bless the nation of Israel, God said to Aaron through Moses, these are the words you'll speak. Here's what I want you to say. Turn and face the people of Israel and say, the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace. And he says, thus will my name be on my people. When you launch these words that I gave you, contained in them is power, that when they land on my people, they will actually have my name on them. They will, they will be imprinted. They will be tattooed spiritually with a, with a blessing. It's like, wow, can words do that? Yes, they can. I'm going to tell you a little later in the message about Maya Angelou, and that's the lady that grew up as the daughter of slave people. But her speech on the power of words, uh, I took a little excerpt from it, and she said, words are things. You must be careful, careful about calling people out of their names, using racial pejoratives, sexual pejoratives, and all that ignorance. Don't do that. Someday we'll be able to measure the power of words. I think they're things. They get on the walls, they get in your wallpaper, they get in your rugs and your upholstery and your clothes, and finally into you. And we'll find out why that's so meaningful and poignant later when I tell you a little of her backstory. Hebrews 1:3. Let's go to the Bible and see if the Bible supports all my assertions today. Hebrews 1:3, the Son. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Different versions will say he upholds or sustains all things by the word of his power. You know, the ancient Greeks believed Atlas was there holding up the world, right? Or like this, with it on his shoulders. Well, if you can picture Atlas holding up the world and then replace Atlas with the word, Jesus' words. He upholds all things by the word of his power. This is confirmed in Colossians 1.18. You don't have to go there. Do you remember the time when Jesus walked on water? Who doesn't? Anybody been by the Sea of Galilee? We have. Anybody been there? You think, man, can you imagine just walking on the waves? So cool. Uh, At the time I was there, they were trying to build some sort of amusement thing where there was like things you could walk on so people could go out and walk in the water. (laughs) But Jesus walked on the water. He defied science and gravity and nature. And he came and stood beside the boat. We know the story. And... Peter said, I want to try that. Looks like fun. Don't you love Peter? I love that enthusiasm. Okay. You know, he fell flat in his face many times, but yeah, it's because he was stepping out. Okay. Um, So he says, Lord, tell me to come. Why? Because he understood the power of Jesus' words. If Jesus says the word, if he releases it, it will overwhelm the laws of gravity. The word has precedence. It preceded and supersedes nature and the physical world. The biblical worldview is that the word of the Lord actually is what's holding the universe together. There's a speaking. If you do a deep dive into the study of gravity, it'll blow your mind. The the scientists still haven't figured it out. They do know by their math formulas that, you know, a bird, you know, a little two ounce, three ounce bird flying, you know, between your bush and your bird feeder is pulling on the sun. They're both pulling on each other. There's this thing holding everything together. Everything that's a thing has a force that's pulling and holding other things. I'm already beyond my intelligence in this. But it is apparently true. And the Bible says that's actually the word of the Lord. We can't figure it out, you know, with a calculator because it's, it's spiritual. And I see it this way. When Peter stepped out on the water, and he didn't walk till he got his eyes off Jesus. When he stepped out and went like that, when Jesus said, come... It compressed the molecules of the water together so that they were so immovable they would not and could not give way to the weight of Peter's body. The word that Jesus spoke held it together and gave it form and strength. Is this going anywhere today? Is this like to really come back and say, when God says it, It's got power. And so your heart is launching something very powerful. It's not a rubber-tipped arrow. Ha-ha, it's stuck to your forehead. What you are launching can blow up somebody's self-confidence. Or it can destroy the lies they've been living by for years. Isaiah said, The sovereign Lord has given me instructed tongue that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. I have never felt so inadequate in my ministry as going to Poland in two weeks. I'm a pretty confident person. Worry is not my default. Anxiety or fear are intruders that don't live in my house. But the thought of, what am I going to do? What am I going to do to help these people? They're, they're not just refugees. I know how to deal with refugees and sit in a camp. And the Rohingya refugees in the hot and the, the terrible situation with a tin roof. And they've had to run away from their homes. Yeah, that's one level I could deal with. But what when your husband's back there and you don't know if he's going to live? What, what scripture do I give you to make you feel better today? How do I identify with your suffering? Yeah, I burned my tongue on my latte yesterday. I, I know how it feels to, you know, I know your pain. Like, I, it just seems absolutely beyond my ability. But the Lord reminded me that he and I made a deal in 1999 at your cottage, Chris. <laughs> your parents had given us a cottage for a week. And I opened up the Bible on that side deck. And as sure as we're sitting standing here, the Holy Spirit came on me and took me to Isaiah 50. And he says... You know, the Sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. And I said, Lord, I ask for that verse for the rest of my life. I want to be able to go somewhere and change the atmosphere by the way I talk. I want to be able to walk in the room and when there's unbelief, speak truth and testify and And faith will start to come into the room. I want to bring heaven to earth. Oh, there's a 57-word prayer about that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not cute phrases. It's actually a command. It's given in a command form. Jesus said we can talk to God that way. And I think we've dishonored him with our weak prayers time. I was really pleased with the prayer meeting this morning, the faith that was in the room. It was just so encouraging to me. There was was good prayer. I get tired of people praying the news and praying the problem. Oh God, that person did this and then they did this. It's like, and God says, oh yeah, I was busy. I forgot. I didn't realize that. Keep going for another 20 minutes. You don't have to tell God about that let's bring kingdom of heaven into earth let's let's pray what what heaven is saying into what's happening here on earth and so these powerful words hold together and it's a javelin missile is what I, the anti anti tank device let's load the rocket launcher of our heart with spiritual blessings with powerful words that will change the lives of people around us. Now, I love what Bill Johnson of Redding, California says. He says, you know, if you watch what you think, you'll never have to watch what you say. You know, if you want to take away anything this morning, just put that in your pocket and take it home with you. If you watch what you think, you'll never have to watch what you say. So we're talking about what's going on in the inside. And I want to tell you that there's only three areas that you have to watch your words. Other than that, you can forget about it. Okay? One is how you talk to others, another is how you talk to God, and the third is how you talk to yourself. Just those three areas nothing else. Just others, God, and yourself. So, how you talk to your pets doesn't count. No. <laughs> My nickname for our new dog is stupid. My wife's like, don't call him stupid. He doesn't know, that's the fun of it. Come here, you stupid idiot, come to me. It's the only place I can get away with that and it's okay. He just hears the tone of my voice, right? Oh, you little dumb thing. You are ridiculously unintelligent. Other than that, you got to watch your words. So let's talk about how we talk to others. You want a lesson in this? Go to the book of James. We know it. The tongue is, is, is given two metaphors. very powerful. The rudder on a boat and a match. Because he says it can light a whole forest on fire. So when it comes to your words, you can reap a whole lot more than you sow. But you said this, listen, that was four years ago, you know, since then. But you said, and some people will never forget and want to make you pay, you know, and it can go a long time. I met somebody uh, at a funeral I hadn't seen in 30 years and they're like, do you remember when we were teenagers? And I'm like, oh, here it goes again. Mr. Talk Too Much, what did I say back then? And you still remember? I've forgotten and I'm afraid to find out. I don't know if anybody's been reminded of words you've said before. Um, I want to just really focus on one thing out of each of these three things. We could do a three-part sermon on this, how we talk to others, how we talk to God, how we talk to ourselves. And as you all know, Melissa and I have written a book called The Family Blessing Guidebook, which is really about unleashing the power of words to bring blessing and prophetic blessing to people you love. We'll have some of those books later, but not today. But I just want to deal with the idea of blame. How we are blaming others For what's going on in our life. I was at the hotel this morning. Thank you, church, for um, putting me up in a hotel so I don't have to do eight hours of uh, round-trip driving. That's great in one day. But um, I was there, and I was saying to the ladies at the counter, saying, so only a few more days of these, right? Yeah, and I said, how's that going on the last week? And they go, you wouldn't believe the people coming here, what they're saying. And I said, I know, we're all tired of this. She says, no, it's the defiance. And he says, we're just telling him, please, just, just one more week. And just people unloading on the poor desk people at the Best Western. It's like, wh- wh- where do we get the right to do this? I, I was talking to my uh, a good friend of mine, and he's, he's very politically motivated. He's a Christian, and he's like, Oh, there's a war going on in the US. He goes, Yeah, there's one in Ukraine, and there's also one in the US. And if, if this guy doesn't get elected, and if that guy's back in, we are done for. And I'm like, just like, I, I want to put a cork in that mouth. Those are those are words that aren't coming from heaven. And I said to him, and we've had a 25-year friendship. I said, I said, look, I'm not even going to tell you what I think about politics. I'm, I'm on sabbatical from all politics, period, right now. I said, I need my mouth washed out with fuller soap, with kingdom of heaven. I need to start just talking about what God is thinking. And I, I'm serious. I'm just, like, disengaged. I was consumed with the last election and what people think. And I was talking to a pastor yesterday, and he was telling me about his theories And uh, I'm like, I can't go there. I wouldn't say a word what I thought. Because I really want to retrain my tongue to bless. And I want to stop cursing. I haven't been cursing. But I want to make sure I'm not cursing those who disagree with me. And the media right now, it really doesn't matter whether you're left wing, right wing. I think some of us are right wing, wrong bird, you know. Um... We're not even in the right animal kingdom right now. We're and um it doesn't matter what side you're on, whether you're in both sides or the middle, it's uh the devil's trick is to get you um speaking poorly of other people. That's the devil's trick. And um um I uh, do you want to know about your opinion? I want to tell you about your opinion right now. Okay, I got, I got uh, four words. It does not matter. It just doesn't matter. And this pastor, who I was talking to yesterday, he said, and he, sighed, he said, Terry he says, you know, this is what I think he says, but I don't do that from the pulpit. He says, and the thing that discourages me the most, he says, is all of this of my people, He says, I have a church full of people who are angry at the government and this and that. He says, we haven't had any increase in our prayer meetings. He says, there's been such an ease and a willingness to curse and to fight and to protest and go drive a truck with a curse word on it and our prime minister's name beside it. Like People think that that's okay and And I can't find that in Romans 13. And, you know, just like, we're just so willing to use our words to fight. And he said, but shouldn't we be going after this in prayer? I thought, yeah, yeah, we should. I I encourage every Christian to be in some sort of regular prayer meeting for Ukraine. Because our words matter. Let's call out to heaven. And I have a couple of prayers. I'm praying for, for the protection of the innocence, and I'm also praying for the truth to come out. As Mark Twain says, a lie is halfway around the world by the time truth gets its pants on. So the lies go quickly, but the truth will come out. People thought Hitler was, you know, like a reasonable leader, but then the truth came out. And so we pray for truth because the devil is the father of lies, and Jesus is the truth. So we pray for that. So I want to say so much more about this, but can we just stop blaming and stop correcting others unless we're also uh, confirming? A friend of mine says, if you want to correct someone, do accept, affirm, correct, confirm. Start off by telling them that you, you accept them, that they're, you know, unconditional. Then affirm something good in them. Then say something you'd like to change and then finish by reminding them that we're still friends and I think you're a great person. He says, just put that in a big affirmation sandwich. You know, like trying to get your kids to eat something good and you put it, put it, hide it in there inside the bread. So let it be that way. Secondly, how we talk to God. And I'm aware that we're coming to the end of the message. How do we talk to God? I want to. So when we talk to others without blame... When we talk to God without shame, okay? A friend of mine who was very influential as a young Christian, he was like my first kind of pastor leader. He, is, uh, he had had tragedy in his family. His father had left home. His twin brother had drowned. He had had much tragedy. But he learned to pray, and his life turned around when he spent two nights a week praying through the whole night in his garage. And then he started this Bible study that became a Jesus People movement that led 2,000 young people to the Lord. And um, we have proof and evidence, and I'm still friends with some of those people 45 years later. Now, he said this, Terry, when I pray, I take Romans 8.1 as my entry. And he said... I pray as if I never sinned. I pray as if I've never sinned. I go into the throne room and I say, God, and I start listing what I want him to do. And I never let anything that I've done, my sins, come into that throne room. I thought, wow, you could spend a lifetime learning that. When you are carrying guilt into the presence of God to pray, that is the enemy doing that. Romans 5, 1, to 6 or 7. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, because we have have peace with God, Romans uh, 5 says, because we're justified by faith. We have peace with God. And we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So I challenge you to go at God without shame and ask much bigger than what you've been asking. Ask to finally get over that habit that's been running after you for years. Ask for the relationship to change. Ask for your tongue to be tamed. Ask, ask, declare, declare heaven. Be bold, say, heaven come into this situation. In the name of Jesus, just like what Marissa was doing today, that's how we should be praying in the worship team. We should be catching a sense of what heaven is saying or just use a scripture and start praying it. Melissa and I, every night, we're praying for Ukraine and we're going into the Psalms. You know, thwart the purpose of the nation. We're just praying what David prayed. And we're declaring it. Thirdly, how we talk to ourselves. Anybody see the movie Spaceballs? I know we're not supposed to watch some of those movies but it's kind of it's kind of like innocent compared to stuff today it was a parody on uh, the original um star wars it was mel brooks uh silly silly guy but at one point you got john candy in the spaceship and he's a mog instead of Chew- chewbacca he's a half man half dog do you remember He's half man, half dog. And he's sitting there and he's going, he's got his little tail. and He's going, I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I am my own best friend. <laughs> it's a classic line I'll never forget. I am my own best friend. And I say that to say this, how you talk to yourself is really important. I, I really want to go into this more in depth, but I'll respect the time and the place here. But let me put this in your mind. I have a friend that was just going through a divorce and he was so upset with himself, not really with his spouse, but that the whole thing had broken down and what his role was. But, you know, you can't, sometimes you can't unscramble the eggs. And as it got to the point where it looked like it was unsolvable, he went to a counselor. And the counselor said, what would you say to a friend of yours in this situation? How, how would you talk to them right now? And he says, well, I'd say you've done what you can. You've repented. You've tried to make it work. Like, like I'm with you, buddy. You know, like, it's, it sucks. It's, you know, no one wanted this to happen, but you're still okay, and God's with you. He says, then why don't you say that to yourself? And it, the light went on. He said, I'm going to be my own best friend. And I want to challenge you, and it's changed him. Changed his 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 uh, whole demeanor, and who knows, maybe things will work out now. We don't know, but I want to challenge you as you leave here today. Be your own best friend. Stop this negative talk. Don't look in the mirror and call yourself stupid. Save that for the dog. <laughs> be nice to yourself <laughs> and talk friendly, and say, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? And then repeat that. Oh, man, sometimes in prayer, I'm just like, Lord, I just thank you that I, because I'm justified by faith, it doesn't matter. Those things don't matter anymore. And I start to talk to myself. And David says, you know, he, he, he commanded his own soul, Why are you disquieted within me? Why are you cast down? Hope in God. Tell yourself to hope in God. Hey, soul, don't be so down. Hope in God, you're going to be okay. Learn to talk to yourself the way you would to your best friend. Stop blaming others. And don't take any shame into your prayer life. Come on up, uh, worship team. I'm going to hand the, the uh, microphone over to Pastor Susan. To your, yourself, yes, Pastor Chris. And um, maybe stand with me, okay? Let's pray. Jesus We bring to you the rocket launcher of our own heart right now today. And we want to make sure that we are aiming in the right direction and we are loading with the right ammunition. We want blessing. We want the projectiles that leave our mouth to be aimed at heaven and at people's lives and to be loaded with a blessing. We recognize that what we say hangs out there it's like a thing and I want to lead you right now if there's words that you know you've been saying let's face it the last two years I haven't been the best version of myself some days I said some stuff that I had to just go back to my wife and say let's let's wipe that part out reset Jesus we thank you for the great reset of the cross and right now we ask you by faith um to forgive us for words that are out there that aren't doing kingdom work, that left our mouths. We willingly submit our opinion to, to, to silence so that we can use our heart and our mouth to bless others. I thank you for the days that are coming, great days ahead. I thank you that this is an opportunity for Meadowbrook to be a light on a hill and to just be a place where people feel great to be here. Jesus, we thank you. We receive your forgiveness by faith. And we forgive others who aren't even here today that have been just ragging on us and saying stuff, and trying to get us to repeat it. We just bless them, Lord. We bless. We we come at it in the opposite spirit, and we bless those that curse. And we just declare there's nothing, there's nothing in this world that's going to steal the power of my words and use them for evil purposes. I devote my javelin, (laughs) my heart, my mind is in your hand to do your work. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Thanks so much, Terry.